Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. It's a great word because you are a great God. And so, Lord, we pray that your word would, this morning, not return to you void, but accomplish the purpose you wanted to in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 50, verse 14. Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you speak unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did evil, and they did unto the evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brother also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and bring and your little ones, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now, so in our last study, we saw how, how Joseph looked at his brothers and he, he in, in, in verse 20, was so dramatic when he turned to them and he said, As for you, you thought evil against me. So Joseph has just finished looking at his brothers. He told them in verse 19 that they should not be afraid of him because he was not in the place of God. As he said, am I in the place of God? And so what Joseph, in essence, was saying to them, was the, he was saying to them the truth of what is taught in Proverbs 29.25. In Proverbs 29.25, it says... The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Yeah, that's what Proverbs 29, 25 says. So what Joseph is saying here is that, look, I see a trap that you, you, you are falling into, which is a trap when they feared him. And, and when you look at what Joseph was saying here in its entirety, you can really see that he's saying, look, I'm not in the place of God that you should be fearing me like I was in the place of God. And that's the problem when a person looks at another man, another person, and says, he's in the place of God, and I fear him. You know, my boss is going to determine my financial future. I fear him because he's in the place of God. But it's God who determines our financial future, and so God should be feared. You know, we pray every Sunday for our persecuted brethren around the world. And our persecuted brethren are tempted to look at their persecutors 
and think, they determine whether I'm going to live or die. Just like Joseph's brothers were looking at Joseph and thinking that Joseph was going to determine whether they lived or died. And so Joseph said to them, am I in the place of God? God determines whether you're going to live or die. Not me. Don't fear me. Fear God. So the snare that, that, that the fear of man brings in this Proverbs 29-25 verse is a trap of not seeing God in his place and fearing God. And for the person who, who, who says about their problems and their challenges, which is what most people would say, is something like, well, what does God have to do with it? God has nothing to do with it. So they're fearful of what man will do to them, which is why David gave the advice when he said that he was not going to fear man in Psalm 118, verse 6, when David said, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do unto me. And it says in Hebrews 13.6, Hebrews 13.6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Which is why, that's why the first rule of life is, 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 is don't make God mad. It's, don't make God mad at you. It's not good when Psalm 118.6 is turned around to the opposite, and it, and, and it said in Psalm 118.6, the Lord is not on my side. I fear. I fear what man can, what God can do unto me. And just think of what God can do to a person who, 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 that, who, who he is not the helper of. Miserable life, judgment and condemnation after death. But think, and think then again about Hebrews 13, 6, when it's turned around to be the opposite. And so, if he, and so, so if a person says, I may boldly say, the Lord is not my helper. I don't need that religion. I don't need that crutch in life. The Lord's not my help. And then what happens? I will fear what man shall do unto me. So what, what, this, what, what verse 19 in Genesis 50 boils down to is seeing man in the place of God and not relying on God or not being afraid or seeing or, 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 or on one hand, or on the other hand, seeing God in his place, in the place of God, and relying on God and not being afraid. So, you know, right now, we're, we're working on a curriculum for young Israelis to, to address questions, deep questions, that they don't get answers to. And one of the questions is, how do I biblically deal with fear? Why? Because they are told how to deal with fear without the Bible and without God. And, and so what we are trying to do is develop a curriculum of how to present, how to deal with fear with the Bible and with God. And David gave the answer of how to deal with fear with God from the Bible. When David wrote in Psalm 56.3, Psalm 56.3, what time I am afraid I will trust in God. What time I am afraid I will trust in God. You know, that verse in Psalm 56.3, what time I am afraid I will trust in God, is put right on the door, right on the door that goes from the MRI room back out to the lobby. Why? Why do we do that there? Why is that verse on that door? There's no other verses on doors, but that's a verse that's on the door. And why is it on that door? Because that is the point when a patient is leaving the MRI room when they're most apt to become afraid. Before getting the MRI, the patient's all hyped up, and, I, I'm gonna, I can do 
this. I can sit in that, that tube. I can get the machine. I'll get the test done. Oh, adrenaline's running. And after the MRI is finished and the patient has gotten dressed and is walking out, then comes the thoughts that make him afraid of, oh, now I have the MRI now, and now it's going to be read by the doctor. I wonder what the doctor's going to find. Will the doctor come out with a report of, sorry to tell you this, but it's cancer? And that's the time when the patient is most afraid, and that's the reason why he sees, as he's leaving the MRI room on the door, Psalm 56, 3, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. That's the biblical basis on how to deal with fear. I, I remember we had a person from, from the government of Mexico, I'm not going to say what the title is because I don't want to identify him, but we, it, was, it was there and we offered to, 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 to have, for him to have an MRI, and he was very interested because he said, my brother died of cancer. So, and, and, and so he was, and, and I remember as he was getting for the MRI, I was watching him, he was literally shaking with fear. He was so afraid. And, and for a person in that state, if he just looks at the doctors, the man, and is afraid, and, and then he's putting the doctors in the place of God. And, he, and, and, and so, but the biblical way is Psalm 56, 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And that's what Joseph's telling his brothers here at this point in verse 19. Now, last week, you remember, we spent a lot of time looking at the word chashab, chashab, which means to weave, to weave. And we saw that the word thought in verse 20 is the word chashab, or weave. And, but at the beginning of that verse, when, and, and then we saw that also, when the word meant, meant, where it says God meant it for evil, that's also the word chashab. But, but at the beginning of this verse here, when it says, but as for you, you can just see Joseph, and you imagine when he says, as for you, it's almost like you can picture him spinning around and saying, well, but, but now as for you, boys, you thought evil against me. And when he said, e -e 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 -e, but as for you, you really get the sense of the brotherly attitude in that verse. It's like, okay, as for you guys, you are really up to it, and you tried to get rid of me. Let's just lay it on the line. Now here, Joseph is judging them. And it's kind of like the judge who, who says to the defendants, oh, oh, okay, yeah, oh, okay, you've come for your, for your hearing. Now, now you need to wait in the lobby outside the courtroom until I'm ready to deal with your case. And, and, and when you go downtown to, to the San Diego courthouse down, down there, you see, and you walk through the aisles there, I mean, the hallways here where there's one courthouse, one courthouse room, one courtroom after the other with judge so-and-so, judge so-and-so, judge so-and-so. That's what you see. That's what you see. You see outside of the doors of the courtroom, there's the parties that are waiting for the clerk to come out, and, and they kind of look anxious. You know, it's natural. And, and, and the clerk comes out, opens the door, and, and says, oh, okay, uh, uh, the, the judge is ready to hear you and decide your case. It's kind of scary. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I've been there a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> it's kind of scary when you enter the courtrooms, you know, and you got a patent case or you got a whatever, you know, some employee suing you, whatever. And you enter those courtrooms, and, and which are always so well lighted up compared to the hallways. And, and, and the message. When you walk into this, kind of like it's not really dark always, but you walk into less light, from less light into a lot of light in the courtroom, and and it's kind of like a message, like, all right, 
You may have tried to get away with something in the dark, but now in the courtroom, the, the light is going to shine on what you did in darkness, in the darkness sort of message. And the judge is, 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 you know, is ready to hear the case and decide the case. So in verse 20, that's what's happening here when Joseph has turned to his brothers and said, but ask for you. That's the clerk coming out and saying, okay, we're going to hear and decide your case. Now, Joseph, in verse 20, he doesn't mince any words when he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. Now, for a person who, who didn't have his eyes on God, in other words, for a person who did not have the, the second part of this verse, which says, but God meant it for good, God weave it unto good, then it would be just the first part. And it would say, but as for you, you thought evil against me, period. And, and nothing more would be said. And if that, and if that was what it was, then the person would say, well, you thought evil against me, and the, and the next part would be. So now guess what? It's time for me to think evil toward you. It's, it's time for me to, you know, you thought evil against me, so now, so now then I'm going to return the favor. <laughs> you know? And, and there'd be no way for a person to think anything else other than now it's time to return the favor. Now it's time to think evil against them in return. But the second part of what Joseph said, but God meant it unto good, it shows how Joseph was able to not get even when he had the chance. How can you do that, Joseph? After all they did to you, how are you not going to do that? The second part, he would say the second part, God meant it unto good. It shows how Joseph had this power to forgive his brothers. And the problem with bitterness is, is that it, 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 bitterness you know, you know what I, the iTunes thing is? You know, bitterness is like the button on the iTunes that, that makes the recording, that makes, that, that makes it so when the recording comes to the end, it loops back and starts over again. <laughs> it's, the, it's the rerun, you know? It's the rerun loop button. And when it's pressed on the iTunes, and you, you just finish listening to something, and it starts all over again. And that's the problem with bitterness. It, just when you think that you've thought it through, and okay, you understand how you were hurt, and you, and you decided now, okay, now forget it. The recording starts again. The thoughts start all over again of how you are harmed, and it starts all over again. The question for bitterness, how do I turn the return loop button off? You know, where is that? And the answer is verse 20. Verse 20, but God meant it unto good. So in that part, when Joseph said that, he's showing us how to turn the reloop button uh, off, the rerun button off on the recording of what the brothers did to him. So we look at verse 20 as a whole, and then we see how we see Joseph is seeing two activities at the same time. On the one hand, Joseph is seeing what his brothers did to him, and he sees that he thought evil against me. And then on the other hand, Joseph is seeing what God did, and you see, but God meant it unto good. And, and we already pointed out how, how the word thought for what the brothers did was hashab or weep, and the word meant for what God did was hashab or weep. So there was really, as we said, a competition of weavers going on here. And which one's going to weave faster? And God, God, of course, was the winner in the weaver contest. But, but when Joseph described the actions of the brothers, and he said, you thought evil against me, and then the actual of God, and God meant unto good. He was saying that before him was what the brothers did, and before him was what God did. And Joseph had to make a choice of which one of those actions he was going to set his focus on. 
I mean, was Joseph going to choose to concentrate on the evil that his brothers had thought against him? Or would Joseph choose to concentrate his attention on the good that God meant through it all? And Joseph made this choice about uh, uh, what his brothers did, and, and he said that I'm not going to keep looking at that, because if I keep looking at what the brothers did to me, then I'm going to become unforgiving and bitter. But, Joseph said, if I focus on the good that God did, then I will be free to forgive, and free from bitterness, and free to rejoice in the goodness of God for what he did. And as a matter of fact, the more Joseph saw the good that God did in, in, in Joseph being sold as a slave, the more Joseph might even come to the point where he would thank his brothers for selling him into slavery, which would really be something. Now, something along those lines is how the Lord Jesus viewed his cross when his views are described in Hebrews 12 too. Hebrews 12 too, where it says to us, that we should look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What should we see when we look unto Jesus? The verse tells us we should see in him the joy that he saw, the joy that was set before him, that, it, that, that gave him the joy that was set before him, that endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we should see in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, that he had this joy that was set before him that he focused on, and that gave him the power to endure the cross. But what was the joy? What was the joy that the Lord Jesus saw that was set before him? It was the joy of Hebrews 2.10. The joy of Hebrews 10, where it says, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So it was his sufferings of the cross that enabled the Lord Jesus to bring many sons to glory. That was the come along now. You're going to be part of the many sons I'm bringing to glory. That makes the Lord very happy. Just picture that scene. I mean, picture us in that scene with our tattered rags. We look like a homeless person. Not a, well, not a very good condition homeless person. And the, Lord, and, and, and the Lord says to us, well, now you just come with me. You come with me to your mansion for eternity. Look, you got to change those clothes, get together those clothes, and, and now put on some pure, white, spotless robes of righteousness, and what? And, and don't take a lot of time dressing. Hurry up. you got to make it to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so the Lord sees us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're all cleaned up. We're looking beautiful with those spotless, white robes of righteousness. And the Lord sees us, and it makes him very happy. And what Joseph, what made Joseph so happy was to see how God had meant it unto good when he was sold into slavery. And, and, and Joseph sees that good that God meant it unto, and, and, and Joseph, like I said, he's tempted to say it was good when I was sold into slavery. It wasn't just a hollow, well, God is good statement that Joseph made. Joseph had taken the time to carefully look and to see what God did when he said in the end of verse 20, as it is this day to save much people alive. It's interesting, it's interesting that Joseph says, as it is this day. You know, that, that, that sounds like a statement that maybe will be heard in heaven. I don't know, but it could be replayed in heaven. 
when people talk about as it is this day from heaven, can you imagine what it's going to be like when the day comes, when we'll be in heaven, and we'll look at all those that we witnessed to and forgot about, and, and, and those same ones who have gone on, not we didn't know, they went on to receive the Lord, and we haven't seen them since, we witnessed to them, we'll be in heaven, and we'll see them there, and we'll say, hey, what are you doing here? You know? I just remember that dear couple that came to our apartment in Cincinnati and brought me the gospel, and I was I was classically rude to them. <laughs> I had classic rudeness, and, and I told them to leave that I wanted nothing to do with your God, and and and, and I've never seen that couple again. And all I could think of, all I could think of, is how they must have left and said to themselves, "Well, that was a waste of time." I mean, there's no hope for that fellow. It's hell for him for sure. And I can just imagine in heaven, when I do say that, see them, that they're going to say to me, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> and you know what I'll be able to say? Verse 20. I'll be able to say, God meant it unto good as it is, and to bring to pass as it is this day to save me alive. And that'll be a glorious day when we see all those that we thought that, that, that we left some on earth, no hope for them, and we'll be able to say, wow, as it is this day, save a bunch of people alive. That's why none of us should ever say that we know for sure that this person or that person is in hell, was cast into hell when he died, now burning in hell. We should never say that. We should never, we, we, why should we never say that this particular person or is for sure in hell. Because we are the people of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of love, and we are the people of love. And one verse in that chapter applies in this situation. When it describes the people of love in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, when it says love, charity, love, uh, uh, love believeth all things, hopeth all things. Now, when you apply that verse to the gospel, the, the, the believeth all things, and when you apply that to the power of the gospel, and specifically, Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Where that word power is the Greek word dunamis, Dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. So another way to read this verse in Romans 1.16 is to see it with that meaning and to, and, 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 uh, and to, and to see it in this amplified manner, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is as powerful as the dynamite of God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 